I'm Justin Orshine. And I'm Ronnie Lathrop. And this is Think, Pair, Swear. Hello! Hey, lovely friend. How how are you? I'm really good. You look so rested. Absolutely. For friends listening... School ended for the 23 school year on Friday. It is Sunday. So for friends listening to this at the beginning of the school year, it's almost like you're getting a message from the past or maybe the future of 2024 when school is already out. To know that eventually it's all going to end and (laughs) you'll feel rested at some point. Wow, that's life. I feel rested permanently, though. <laughs> that, that's so well. You just got back from Florida. Yeah, it was so nice in the land where education goes to die. <laughs> I got to experience Florida. Yeah, I had to look after my niece and nephew, and my sister and her brother-in-law. My brother-in-law went away, and um, yeah, it went really well. They're they're doing well. He got on the honor roll. My nephew did. So proud. Wonderful. What was the most fun thing you did? Or you know what I do. What was the rose and thorn of your trip? I think that phrase is trademarked, isn't it? (laughs) I don't think so. I don't think so. I think so for friends at home, it's something I saw in a real housewives reunion, I believe New York season seven, Uh where they recap the high and the low of the trip. And it's something that I've pestered my friends into doing every trip we go on. So I'm going to pester again. What's the rose and thorn? My rose was getting to spend time alone with my niece and my nephew. And I, I it was really funny. I said, sent my niece to bed and I think it was Wednesday night. And as she was leaving, I said, I love you. And she said, I love you too. And I think that's the first time I ever told my niece I loved her. And Is that weird? How- she's like, she's 10. I know. (laughs) Surely that can't be the first, but it seemed weird coming out of my mouth and her responding. It was like, have I never said I love you to my niece and nephew? I'm surely I had it. Maybe, I mean, as kids age, you know, when they're little, they say I love you to everything. You know, maybe as they age, the I love yous just seem a little bit more perfect. Well, and I think, yeah, I think it hit like, oh, I love this kid. She's, She's the best. I had a really great time with them. My thorn was the weather. Jeez Louise, it's the rainy season in Florida right now. Um, in the end of May. And um, it would storm during the day and kind of dissipate towards the evening. And I didn't get to go to the pool as much as I wanted to. But our pool is open at the complex that I live at. So and all I was good. And I will be taking advantage of that. Oh, I want you to. Absolutely. Absolutely. So do you want to just jump right into it? Let's do it. So... For those who listened last week, I want you to know that we are covering the faculty. Well, let's re- let's recap everything. The way the way the show works. Oh, good call. Right. Good call. The way the show works is we have kind of three parts. The first part is our anticipatory set, where this week Justin will be starting with that and telling us a little bit something to prep us going into the main meat of our our talk together, and that is getting schooled. And it is getting schooled this time with the horror film from 1998. The faculty. And horror is very loose. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. Some horrific things do occur, but I'm not sure that it's necessary. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll be breaking that down for you, and then we'll end it off with our exit ticket, which I will have today. Awesome. So this is my first anticipatory set, so I'm a little nervous. Okay. And I will say... Finding an anticipatory set that had something to do with the movie was really hard. Because although it was set in a school, there wasn't much school stuff 
going on. Yeah, and our anticipatory set, by the way, listeners, if you're just joining us, it's usually something topical, something in the news. So, right. yeah. So this is something topical, especially as the year has come to an end and we just finished report cards. It's um, something that has kind of been coming to the forefront of grading practices, which is something called ungrading. Have you heard of this before? I haven't called it ungrading, but um, I'm going to let you explain it. So ungrading is kind of this educational philosophy that challenges what traditional grading looks like. It focuses more on alternative methods of assessment and evaluation, and it really is focused on shifting the emphasis from assigning grades based on numerical or some quantitative scale to a more comprehensive approach that focuses more, more on meaningful feedback, self-reflection, and individual growth, which in theory sounds good, right? But I, I guess let's go back. So in recent years, ungrading has gained a lot of traction in all kinds of educational contexts from elementary schools to secondary to now colleges. Um, professors and teachers have experimented with this using things like narrative feedback, peer evaluation, portfolios, but ungrading, the, this new movement is to have ungrading replace everything. So it's all performance all the time. Are you with me so far? Yeah, sure. Okay, so what are your initial thoughts? Well, I, I think, uh, oh gosh, what was it called? Public, uh, P PBLs? PBLs. Public yes. Place, yeah. Project-based Project learning. Project-based learning was something that I, they did a lot in the school, the last school I taught. And mm -hmm. so I'm very much a proponent of it. I think it's great for a lot of things. Some things maybe not so much. I, I, I don't know. What are you what are you thinking? Well, I guess for friends who are listening, let's talk about some principles of ungrading. It's that emphasis on learning and encourages educators to sure. prioritize acquisition of knowledge, skills, and understanding rather than assigning numerical or letter grades, which I'm all for that. Yeah. I'm all for that to an extent. Yeah. Right. It, it it focuses on individualized feedback, which is a strong emphasis on individual attention to the students and that the feedback is seen as the most valuable tool for improvement and learning, offering specific suggestions for growth and areas of strength. Wow, I know a lot of teachers that suck at that. Yeah. And I, I think I, I sucked at it for a long time. I really did. I thought getting out the red pen and marking up an essay, that's feedback. And had to unlearn a lot of that stuff that I learned. Yeah, and formative assessment plays a large piece to this too. You know, it's all about making those checks along the way and giving feedback as they go along, which is great, but is it the only thing? And then this is where it gets a little far into the forest with me. Have you heard of contract-based grading? Whoa, yeah. no. So this is like advanced ungrading principles, which in some ungrading approaches, educators and students collaborate to create a contract or learning agreement at the beginning of the course. And this contract outlines the learning objectives, assessment criteria, and expectations of the course. And this collaborative process helps align the goals and expectations of both educators and students, which fosters this sense of shared responsibility for learning outcomes. So the students are part of determining what makes their grade their grade or their ungrade, if that makes sense. Uh -huh. What are your thoughts? That's just a lot of hooey bullshit. Yeah. I just don't see that as something that's genuine. It's like, yeah, sure, I'm going to sign this contract and the kids know what a contract is. They don't care. I, I, I don't see it being a very meaningful tool at the secondary education level. Yeah. What, I, what do they know about creating a contract at that point? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, that and just the genuine, genuine kind of, I don't know. For, 
from students and, and in grading practices, especially at the secondary level, there is that reliance that we've had for so long on grades, getting them to whatever the next step is beyond high school. And to say that we're just going to be giving feedback and we're going to just move them on to the next thing. Colleges are looking for what, what score did this kid get on this particular grade. And, you know, there's some colleges that are, you said, are, are going to the ungrading, but they're not universally all going there. You That's know? actually a really good point. One of the big problems with ungrading is that it is not universal yet. And there are going to be some adjustment challenges. Moving away from traditional grading systems and implementing ungrading requires a nationwide shift in mindset for educators and students. And that imagine going from a high school that was an ungrading high school to then uh, a traditional base college and university, which is what I would say is the norm right. currently, that would be a really big adjustment curve, more so than I think from traditional grading to ungrading. Yeah, and, yeah, I, I totally. And, and if a parent can't get wrap their head around not teaching kids cursive, just a call back to a couple of episodes ago, <laughs> how are they going to transition to, well, my kid needs to get a grade. I got to see the grade. Uh, just One of my other problems that has to do with implementing ungrading is that it really does give you the the potential for bias since everything is so subjective it mm. personal opinions can play a lot into this because i mean we as educators are not machines right, right? so and we are fallible to having our own biases and opinions and i think overall we are very mindful of them but to, to oh, say there are a lot that aren't just i know oh it. my gosh i know it i know it so just being mindful that bias and personal opinion can can sneak in there so um, I also worry about the lack of accountability, that when you have an absence of grades, um, grading can kind of diminish that accountability piece for students. So many students rely on grades to stay in athletics, to stay in the choir, to stay in the band, to be able to participate in things. And if there is no grade, where is that accountability for students to perform? I know that that's not the only reason students are accountable, but that's a big piece to the high school experience. Yeah, it is. And scholarships. Oh, for sure, scholarships. Yeah, and even SAT scores, ACT scores. That's all something that that occurs, and to have them get used to nothing being scored, and then they are scored, especially if they're going to go to a secondary, post secondary school where everything's a little more traditional, and they still do grades. It's just. I don't know. We all have to get on the same page, and I just don't see that happening across 50 states, right. especially in this educational landscape we're in right now. And I feel like teachers are going to have to defend themselves against every single assessment when parents ask why their kid got the grade they did. Oh, for sure. You know, when, oh it's, my God. when it's a multiple choice test, well, they, cho- they literally chose answer C, and the bubble they should have filled in was B. <laughs> but if everything was based on this not opinion, but this subjective grading practice, you're, it's just really Pandora's box. Yeah. I'm not liking it. I don't like the idea, but then I'm an old fogey. I, I do think there are some benefits. I And I think, I feel like I'm turning the corner and becoming an old fogey too for what's traditional. <laughs> because I, while I do think there are some good things about ungrading, like, uh, you know, it reduces that academic anxiety. Think about how many kids strive for that 4.0 GPA and they are a nervous wreck in high school if they get even one A minus. Yeah. So that's that's great. I think some other great things is that there's that equity and inclusion piece, which by de-emphasizing grades, students from more diverse backgrounds with different learning styles have the same opportunity to showcase their abilities and strengths. 
in ways that align with their unique talents and perspectives. That's something that's good about ungrading. I think it fosters a growth mindset. It focuses on their learning journey rather than solely on grades. I agree with that too. I had such a a, a problem with certain students that I had that their jump from an F to a C is very significant rather than, you know, the kid that went from a B to an A. I don't know. It just, it always felt weird, you know, not praising or acknowledging rather across the board that kid that that was a huge strive for them. Absolutely. Well, think about that. No child left behind. It was all focused on everybody getting 100% all the time. And you know that that's not a thing, right? That just doesn't happen. And I think of all the great interviews that I've sat in on this hiring season, by the way, if anyone knows a special education teacher, please email me. That'd be really great for me to find one. Uh, but anyway, hopefully by this time when these episodes release, we will have found a special education teacher. Uh, yes. But, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but anytime I sit in on these interviews and I say, what's the most gratifying thing about teaching? And they say the growth, the journey. Right. And it's like, oh. That's such a good answer. And that's really a a central component of what ungrading is. So if you're wanting to get hired at Justin School, that is the answer you use. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, that's just the right answer because to your point, (laughs) I'd rather see an F go to a C than a B plus go to an A minus. You know, there's there's more growth there. There was probably a more arduous educational journey that went on there. A lot of work went into that. So I guess what I was saying was, while all of that sounds great, I still think there has to be that quantitative piece as well in some aspects. That mixed methods approach, just like any kind of study we do, you want to get that quantitative and qualitative piece in order to get an accurate snapshot of what's really going on. Numbers can tell a pretty good story, but there's no heart in it. And then that, on the other side, that qualitative piece has all the heart, but no objectivity to it. So... I don't know. That's that that was my my anticipatory set. There was not much grading going on in the faculty. I will I will <laughs> They truly believed in grading. That, you know what? That's how we did it. It was clear that the high school that they went to, whatever the name of the high school was, was clearly an ungrading school. <laughs> So there it is. I found a way to tie it all together. Yep. Staring into an aquarium that was part of their grade. (laughs) There was a lot in that school going on. Well, you know what? You want to take a break and then we'll come back and I'm chomping at the bit to get this. Oh my God, I can't wait. Okay, we'll be right back. Well, we're back. We are back. I'm so excited for the faculty. Yes. Um, so for our getting schooled, let me remind you that if you have not seen the faculty, I mean, you've had since 1998. Yeah. But if you haven't, hit pause, go to Max and, and watch the faculty. So I'm going to start off with just a, a brief synopsis overall, and then we'll kind of give it a little breakdown, some initial thoughts, and then we'll get into it. The plot wasn't that deep, so the synopsis <laughs> should be relatively quick. <laughs> really quick. All right. So the faculty is a 1998 American science fiction <laughs> horror film directed by Robert Rodriguez and written by Kevin Williamson of Scream fame. I think this is the follow-up that he did to Scream. 
frame. So how disappointing! Oh that? wow! The film was theatrically theatrically released on Christmas, nineteen ninety eight, <gasps> December twenty fifth. Merry Christmas <laughs> by Merrimax Films through Dimension. It grossed sixty three point two million dollars. Wow! And has developed a cult following since its release. Not it. With some, <laughs> with some critics <laughs> noting that it is an underrated in Rodriguez's catalog. Um, El Mariachi, have you seen that? By El- You'll have to look that one up. I it's a really good. Done on a budget. Antonio Banderas is in it, and it's wonderful. Um, this movie also stars Jordana Brewster, Clee Duvall, Laura Harris, Josh Hartnett, yes. Sean Hattasey, um, Famke, is it Famke? I think it's Famke. Um, Janison and Piper Laurie, B.B. Newworth, Robert Patrick Usher... Ursher. John Stewart and yes. Elijah Wood. John Stewart actually references the faculty as one of his first and last acting roles. <laughs> you know, he wasn't that bad. He also it. wasn't in it very long. <laughs> no, but still, I've heard him poo-poo his performance. He was fine. He, he was, was as well. fine as everybody else. Yes, he was. He was cute. I don't understand. I think he's kind of ageless, John Stewart. That's actually true. Really cute. That's true. I don't understand the cult following. I'm not going to lie. You know, I don't get it either, but um, yeah, I haven't heard that. I don't know of any midnight screenings of the faculty going on. <laughs> you know, area, I, I love that it was on Christmas. So teachers on teacher on winter break can go to the movie theater <laughs> and discover that not only did their job suck this first semester, but also there's a movie out there where they all get infected by parasites. <laughs> what could make it better? <laughs> Merry Christmas, Merry teachers. Christmas. Gear up for second semester. Wow. State testing around the corner. <laughs> Unless you're ungrading. Unless you're ungrading. <laughs> Very true. And then it's Christmas all year round. Um, yeah, I... I it was very strange. I, I I had, in preparation for watching The Faculty on the plane flying to Florida, I watched the 1978 version of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Yes. Are you familiar with Invasion of the Body Snatchers? Yes. I mean, I got lots of Body Snatcher vibes. I have watched it. It's been a, lo- a while. Okay. So, f- to refresh your mind and the listeners, uh, the first Body Snatchers movie actually is based on a book. It's called Body Snatchers, um, a, sci- a sci-fi novel, uh, which they do reference in the film as well as referencing the movies. A little bit of meta stuff going on. There are a of. few little meta Easter eggy things going on in the whole movie that I I picked up on too. Yeah. I clocked it. Yeah. Um, in this this film, this, fran- this uh, idea of aliens coming and replacing humans has been around in many iterations in different films. They've tried to do it and they've tried to redo it and this is one of the many re- retakes. But anyways, I was watching The Faculty so I'm going to bring up a few things as we're, as we're recapping that kind of were reminiscent of the 1978 version. The 1950s version was the one that was really, I don't know, is held a lot to the sci-fi canon, something that is really, really intricate and uh, integral rather to, to that in that um, it was made during McCarthyism and this idea of Americans being replaced by these robotic people who just believe one way and you have to follow along their way is definitely something that was making a commentary. You will not replace us. You will <laughs> not, not replace, replace us. us. Oh, and how far we've come since then. 
<laughs> that is our chant in any new school year. It's really a timeless chant. <laughs> what about the soundtrack? Did you care? Did you like it? I, okay, so I did actually really like the soundtrack. I also liked at the beginning when they were introducing all the new characters, how they got those those little retro introductions and made it it made it seem more lighthearted in the beginning. It made it seem very eighties. Yeah, and that tone didn't sustain the whole time, no. I don't think. But. Well, it also, I mean, think about the beginning. I know we're jumping ahead a little bit, but just the beginning, how dark it was, right off the bat, murdering the principal um, with scissors, and then it jumped right into that 80s kitschy retro thing. Right, right. And then it, oh my God, it turned Very right. 90s grunge. For a film yes. that came out in 98, that soundtrack was very grungy and, you know... Dark, whatever. Oh, Creed, Soul Asylum, Garbage, The Offspring, there Oasis, were some good ones. Cheryl Crow. I mean, it was good. It, yes. the, the soundtrack kind of rocked. I kind of liked it. So I'm going to go ahead and read a synopsis of the first part. Synopsis of the first part. Yeah. Um, and then we can get into a little bit. As soon as I'm done reading the synopsis, it will lead right into our first clip. The first clip comes from the very beginning of the movie that I want us to discuss. Perfect. All right. So here we go. One evening at Harrington High School in Ohio, there's your name, teachers and Principal Drake leave after discussing the school's budget. When Drake returns to retrieve her keys, she is attacked by the school's football coach, Joe Willis. Drama teacher Mrs. Olson emotionlessly stabs Drake with scissors as she flees the school. The following morning, the students arrive, including Casey Connor, a dedicated and perpetually harassed photographer of the school newspaper. Casey is the underappreciated assistant in to spiteful Delilah Prophet. Good lord, that name. Delilah Del- Prophet. Prophet. I love the that. The paper's editor-in-chief and head cheerleader, as it usually happens. That's, actually, that's actually on point. <laughs> Delilah's mistreated boyfriend, Stan Rosado, is contemplating quitting the football team to pursue academics. Can I stop right there? Yeah. Stan did not look like a football player whatsoever. No, 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 not really. <laughs> no, I mean, he had that curly, I mean, I guess football players can have curly hair, but did not have the <laughs> Didn't athletic. Have the yes, yeah. absolutely. Yep, yep. Zake Tyler is an intelligent yet rebellious student repeating his senior year. Who Zake- repeats his senior year? <laughs> <laughs> this kid in this universe. Zeke sells, among other illegal items, a powdery, ecstasy like drug he distributes. He is confronted by teacher Elizabeth Burke who expresses concern for him over his illegal activities. Naive transfer student Mary Beth Louise Hutchison befriends self-styled outcast Stokely Mitchell, who has deliberately spread rumors that she is a lesbian, though she has a crush on Stan. (laughs) Mary Beth develops a crush on Zeke, which is reciprocated. Casey finds a strange creature in the football field and takes it to science teacher Mr. Furlong... John Stewart, who believes it is a new species. Clip one. Damn it! God damn it! You call that bluff and you fucking jokes? You gotta pick up the linebacker! God damn it! Get off the fucking field, you let that blow jokes! You see yourself dead Friday night! Dead! Yeah, so there's Coach Willis. God, that, that coach. 
What a dick. I mean, well, that's part of my exit ticket is going to involve the discussion with this, but the coach just cussing at everybody and calling them all sorts of derogatory names for female body parts. Good God. Now, and I'm sad to report that I would never say that coaches at the school district I work for speak that way to our athletes. <laughs> but is it out of the realm of possibility? No, that- I think it's it's done way too much. And it's sure. and unfortunately it's normalized. And if people object to it, they say that that's just the coach amping up their football players. Right, right, like a drill sergeant or something. And and in no other field would that be an acceptable way to amp up people that, uh, in essence, work underneath them, the football players. If I were amping up a child for a test, (laughs) calling them a fucking pussy... I would be fired. Immediately. And I would have resigned right shortly thereafter saying, I don't need to be in teaching. <laughs> I'm done. Yes. I love that later in the film, when I guess he'd been taken over and the fo- stand says, I want to quit the football team. And the coach is just like, yeah, that's totally fine. You should totally focus on academics. Stan realized that that is not the coach. It's right. like, how sad is it he's been that, taken over. that he's been, the way we know he's been taken over is that he's not berating and yelling at children. All right. We'll get to there in a second. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yes I have lots of things to say about, about that. Um, about this idea that the sports get everything. That school was a piece of shit. That Absol- school was that opening awful. And that opening scene. They were, it was like a haunted hallway. Well, like, and the principal <laughs> was just like, well, I don't know what to tell you, drama teacher. You just have to reuse some yeah. costumes from previous years and it's like you know what that's actually at that, that point that watching the movie I was like oh wow maybe this is really realistic because <laughs> everything's on point so far like the, the theater's not getting new costumes the football coach is doubling his budget I mean everything's on brand for me up into this point yeah yeah definitely it, it definitely seems except for the school the state of the school it's supposed to be like some I don't know. Community-based school, we'll say in Texas. Do they say Texas? Ohio. Oh, shoot. Remember? Ohio. But still, even if you're out in the sticks, you're not going to have dirt on the (laughs) hallway. It just, everything looks so run down. I think it was the drama teacher's hair that made you think Texas. It was very (laughs) tall hair. It looked worse than Abbott Elementary, might I add. Yeah. And Abbott Elementary had no lights. (laughs) <laughs> they were getting water well, out of the Well, they hose. had the haunted hallway, and that was very reminiscent of this film. It did look very haunted. It's a prequel. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Okay, so the, this beginning meeting that we're at... Yeah. ...that is held <laughs> after dark in this high school for four people at a faculty even... meeting after dark? Who stays that late at school? I didn't even think about that. That is crazy Maybe bonkers. it was so early in the morning. No, it was night. She was locking up for the evening and got stabbed with some scissors. Uh, yeah, you know how I you call that emergency faculty meeting at ten o'clock at night, <laughs> and a faculty meeting with the football coach, a drama teacher, and the principal. Oh, and some other guy, some other dude. Yeah, it definitely was. It didn't make. It didn't make a whole lot of a whole lot of, a whole lot of sense. I. It reminded me of, and I wish we could watch Boston Public. It is the the weirdest. <laughs> 
series that ever came out from David E. Kelly, but it's not streaming anywhere. But anyways, they would do that where I remember teachers would leave after dark. They would have a, a shot of this teacher laying down tests for the next day on a desk and it's completely dark outside. <laughs> Either that or at the end of the day, they all gathered together and sang a song, which was also something could David you, E. Kelly loved. Could you imagine? Could you imagine <laughs> this all getting, all right, guys, come on, we're going to sing. We're, we're going to sing a spiritual. <laughs> Made <Wow>. no sense. <laughs> Swing low, sweet chariot. Maybe that's absolutely at, at their 9:30 p.m. faculty meeting made no sense. And I loved seeing Piper Laurie. That was great. I almost wanted to scream, "Show us your dirty pillows! They're all gonna <laughs> laugh at you!" Now she was the drama teacher, correct? Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, she was the drama. She teacher. I, infected. Drama teacher is my spirit animal <laughs> at any given time. I've never had more of a Okay, hold on, hold on. We're going to talk about that. Okay, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I think Um, this is the best movie we've covered so far. (laughs) Now, we've only covered two, and the first was Billy Madison. But this is the best one. (laughs) Um, Let's see. I I like the students driving in the parking lot, tearing up the the parking lot, just kind of taking up three spaces. Yep. And zero consequences, of course. I've run into that before with student drivers. You go to the principal and say, hey, I was almost run down. Down by the student, you know, this morning, <laughs> and it's just kind of like, okay, right. got it, got it, thanks, I, noted. I love. First of all, I'm going to say it again. What? Who repeats their senior year of high school? Yeah, that, I, you, that's you go, a stretch. You have like a couple of classes or a makeup thing that you have to do in the summer, and then they let you graduate. That's the way it goes. I I, I love that he's just in the parking lot dealing drugs, and teachers are aware of it, oh. and, and they approach, they see it, and then not only does he offer it to her, when she declines, he offers her cherry flavored condoms and says, "Oh, come on, Miss Burke, they're on me." Now, if if a student offered me condoms, what I would not say, well, what did Miss Burke say? That's so rude. And yeah. walks away. Oh, but then again, this principal seems like she's she's not with it either. So if you reported sexual harassment to her, I don't know. I think B.B. Newworth would have taken care of it. But B.B. <laughs> Newworth's character in this film, she would have been like, yeah. Okay. Well, at this point, she's infected anyway. But B.B. Newworth pre-infected would say, yeah, probably not. Who cares? Why did she need to get stabbed to death to get infected? That seems That's counterintuitive. In, and I'm not going to jump ahead because you've yelled at me multiple times. I know, times. I know, I know. But, but that just didn't make a lot of but, sense. But, I mean, none of the other ones were maimed and murdered before they were infected later in the film. Why? Maybe they just really didn't like her. Did you catch one of the kids buying the drugs? Danny Masterson from that 70s show? The uh, alleged rapist? Uh, Ooh, uh, alleged, y'all. Alleged. Still, don't don't sue been, us, Danny. He hasn't been convicted yet as of this taping. Yes. Um, another little Easter egg of an actor there. Just interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so they go to John Stewart, who I've already said looks ageless to me. He's just a... He's a I, I, I have a thing for John Stewart. I just do. He's a he's silver a, daddy. He's a cutie. He really, really is. Yeah. And I just love what he does now. Just his activism for veterans. Just... Ugh, I, he's, I adore him. He's what do you make of Stokely using being a lesbian as security so people don't bother her? Okay, I... Okay, it was very problematic. I think the actress, um, and I, I need Clay Duvall. I think she's she's queer. I'm pretty sure she's. Oh like man, she that's is. tough. I know, I know. But it was '98. Yeah. But I I think this movie overall is queer coded. I think it is an analogy for um, 
those stupid things that they send kids to the re-education camps for oh the really i do i think it's all <gasps> oh my gosh suddenly switching to become straight and everybody is is as differently mind mindset and, and the gays love water <laughs> we do hydrate quite a bit we hydrate quite a bit so that's there it is wow yep Okay, sure. well, we can wrap up our episode today. No, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> I, I thought, you know, watching it, I thought it was interesting that Mary Beth is, you know, the person who no, who was share, who uh, Stokely shared that she uses lesbianism, which, again, that word is such an interesting word. They used multiple times in the film, lesbianism, like feminism. Right. Uh, that she confides that in Mary Beth and it's, I interpreted it, you know, Mary Beth is tall, blonde, thin, and white. And Stokely could mean that she doesn't want to hang out popular girls who are ultimately going to turn on her. Yeah. She's probably experienced that quite a bit. So she's like, F this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what did you think about this school had a pool? (laughs) What schools have a pool in them? Especially ones that are in no place, Ohio. Uh, They just, that's where all the money went to sports i i have worked for districts where that is it you could not get you're spending money on your own school supplies but they are adding tennis and they're adding shuffleboard they are adding never a pool i'll tell you what ball whatever it's just central office losing their minds insuring that school I'll tell you what, because that's the thing. When you have to insure for any possible thing, and the more stuff you add, the more stuff you have to insure for. Especially if you're going to drown. Drown. Oh, and right. yes, absolutely. Not a locked door in that school except trying to get out. And suddenly padlocks appear out of nowhere. <laughs> padlocks the and padlocks chains. The padlocks went around and chained everything. Poor Beebe couldn't get out. Poor Lilith couldn't get out. My, uh, there was a, something that was said... Um, in the locker room that it was Ursher's character bullying um, Casey, which is Elijah Wood's character. Why are you character. pronouncing him Ursher? Because I'm just that. Okay, that. I thought I was off on something and I'm 55. But Usher's character said, what did he say? It was something that I wrote down. It said, hey, pisswad, you're in my way. And Casey said, I'm sorry, I was just breathing here. And he said, yeah, that's the problem. You're occupying my air anal probe. <laughs> And I was just like, oh, that kind of feels like an alien reference. And I'm like, oh. I didn't know if he did it on purpose. I also think think the writing was poor. Gay phobic is what I think he was being. In a queer coded film. I'm telling you, it has something to do with that. Um, what did you think of the, the, the showers that they had at the school? It was very gay porn. Absolutely. <laughs> it was very, I mean, I've never seen it. Well, I mean, maybe not never. Never in, in a school. middle school, I remember we kind of had those where we all kind of stood around and showered and pretended not it's to like look at It's like dance around the maypole, but it's a wet maypole. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then in the background, there were urinals, like in the shower room. Like, I, suddenly you're showering uh, with your soap on a rope and you're like, I got a Yes. I would never step It in. was so gay code. I'm telling you, Justin, this was gay porn, but without the porn. Ugh. 
Oh, yeah, that, you know what? I, I'm scene. serious. When you brought up that I, that analogy of conversion camps, I'm like, oh my gosh, that actually makes sense. Uh, we had those showers in middle school too. Nobody ever. I remember cobwebs and <laughs> dust bunnies on the Nobody. floor. Since the invention of Axe Body Spray, no boy showers anymore. I they don't. They hose themselves down and off they go. Absolutely. But I thought it was it, the, the, the callback to the shining um, of the old lady coming at him naked. Well, she wasn't naked. She was wearing some clothes, but her skin was falling off as she's ambling towards yes. that poor kid in the shower that has soap in his eyes. Who is it? I can't see. Made no sense either. I, Wash your eyes and take a look around. What the hell are you doing? Well, and I love later. I actually wrote this down. I love later that when they tried rationalizing it, they just said, oh, it was a cancer diagnosis. And the medic and she was on medication that made her behave that way. I'm like, her skin was falling off of her head. That's not how cancer works. She was coming at him like Sissy Spacek bleeding <laughs> from her vagina in Carrie. And he's just like, not plug it up. But help this poor help woman, this woman, please, and help. And, and they're like, "Oh, sweetie, it's she, he, she just had cancer and died. We were hoping she'd make it through the." What employer would say, "Oh, you had a cancer diagnosis? We're just going to see if you can make it for the rest <laughs> of the year. Work through it, ma'am. Work." Through were they it. using that as an excuse, or did she really have cancer? I Is don't that th- why the alien didn't take? They're like, "Oh, she's dying. I'm out." I don't. I don't know, actually. But even if she did have cancer, cancer wouldn't make your scalp fall off. I think she might have had cancer. But even if she did, I don't know. The way they rash, oh, she's just on medication that makes her do that. I'm like, oh, man. They they must have been early in the cancer research at that point in 1998. (laughs) Um, And then then Elijah Wood. It was so nice to see him. He looked so cute sipping his little juice box. He was so cute. He was so cute. I found his character in the beginning kind of obnoxious. Just whiny. Yeah, very much so. But yeah. that's kind of the, the type he was. Poor Frodo. Yeah, absolutely. Is, now, is Elijah Wood queer? I don't think so. I, you know what? I actually know so that he's not. Okay. I looked it up because I thought... I remember back in early... Because when I Googled it, they, there were all kinds of Elijah Wood gay, question mark, in 2004, 2005. Oh. Then there were all these articles wondering, and he's married with two children now. Okay, don't but, know much about that. I think I'm thinking of Frodo and Sam, and they, they were pretty gay. Yeah, that's actually... Come at me, listeners. I don't care. Yeah, absolutely. And then we end that that whole part with poor Selma Hayek. What a misuse of Selma Hayek. Absolutely. She, she was a nurse with a sniffle, and that was it. Absolutely. You know what's so interesting? This was a little Easter egg, too. When she was in the faculty room kind of sniffing around and sounding all kind of sick, uh... Mr. Furlong, before she got ambushed, said, maybe you should go home. And she said, no, thank you. I'm using my sick days for when I feel better. And then John Stewart's character said, maybe I should just put a pen in my eye. Right. Which, which I was just like... A little foreboding. Ooh, I think this is... Foreshadowing. Well, and it's just like the whole... It makes me wonder, the cringiness and hilarity, was it intentional? Like, did the directors mean for it to be that cringy? Because you wouldn't put that in there if you were, weren't were really trying to go for the cringe factor. Yeah, and like you said, the beginning of it with their names being scrawled across the screen, there is this kind of lighthearted campiness to it, which is maybe why it is a cult favorite. Maybe people just laugh their asses off when they go see this. That's a good point. You know, I might go see a, a midnight screening of this. That might be kind of fun. 
I don't think there are any, but if there were, I would go with you and I would dress as Stokely and I would I would make it clear that there is lesbianism in my lineage. I would go as the cancer lady with all her skin color. <laughs> I, I, when they said lesbianism in my lineage, I'm like, that's, that's not a thing. No. Something. Well, uh, no. Oh, okay. you know, you know who said that? Uh, oh shoot. Mary Beth said that. She uh-huh. said, I'm not aware of any lesbianism in my lineage. Doesn't that sound like something an alien would say? True. One that doesn't understand like, the gays. Yeah, absolutely. Also, wasn't she in seventh heaven? I do not recognize her at all. Okay. Maybe I'm thinking of somebody else. I recognized her tits towards the end, though. Yeah. Uh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> okay. Mercy me. So are we ready to continue on? Yeah, let's go on. Let's all right. go on. So, the stage um, is set. So Delilah and Casey hide in the teacher's lounge to find a story. They uh-huh. witness Coach Willis and Miss Olson forcing one of the parasites into the ear of the school nurse. They also find the body of another teacher, Mrs. Brummel, cancer lady. <laughs> Casey and Delilah flee, and Casey calls the police, but his claims are dismissed. The next day, Casey tells Delilah, Stan, and Stokely he believes the teachers are being controlled by aliens. After Zeke and Mary Beth tease them about their theory, Mr. Furlong attempts to infect them. Zeke injects his homemade drugs into Furlong's eye, killing him. Zeke takes the five to his house where he experiments on a specimen retrieved by Casey. He discovers it needs water to survive and can be killed with his drug. (laughs) Revealed to actually be raw powdered caffeine. You know, that hard drug on the streets, caffeine. As caffeine acts to as a de- to dehydrate the user, the aliens are hypersensitive to hydration of both themselves and their host. Zeke makes everyone take his drug to prove they are uninfected. Call back to the thing. Delilah is revealed to as infected, and she destroys Zeke's lab and most of his drug supply before escaping all of the Kool-Aid man. <laughs> <laughs> right out of that door. Oh my god. Acting on Stokely's speculation that killing the alien queen will revert everyone to normal, the group returns to the school where their football team is playing and infecting opposing players. Oh my god. Okay, so let's let's talk. Let's talk. The scene where they are hiding in the closet. Okay, I've never known a closet to be in a teacher's lounge. I've known a bathroom to be in a teacher's lounge where you can hear everybody take a piss and a shit. Absolutely. Oh, God. That that bathroom in the teacher's lounge. I know that wasn't in this, but in general, that bathroom in the teacher's lounge is such an unfortunate thing. A bad choice. Who would do that? I would never. Okay, but a deep closet that they have... Uh, what is it? Resuscitation Annie hiding in the background. <laughs> um, that that seemed weird. That teacher's lounge was sad as hell too. Which I thought, yeah, that, well, that's that kind whole of, school that was saying, yeah. But to have the whole school be kind of pristine and a teacher's lounge to be in shambles and it hasn't been updated in years, that tracks for me. That's like, yeah, that's that, the last. I can room. see. I can see that happening. I feel like if you're gonna put. A teacher's restroom anywhere. Do it in the lactation room. <laughs> nobody, nobody ever. Oh my god! The last school I was at—that's what they did. They counted the the little um, restrooms that we'd have in our our offices for departments as a lactation room. Oh my goodness! 
I wouldn't want to lactate after some people have been in there. We 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 actually do have a lactation. I call it the lactation station. It's really cute, oh, um, but there that. is no toilet in there. The, it, we have the staff restroom. I loved some kid will take a shit in there someday. <laughs> If they haven't already. I love that, the, like, the day after, when the police kind of discounted everything they said and then got infected, by the way. The next day at school, Casey and Delilah were hiding in a bathroom stall to figure out what they're going to do next. And instead of appearing with her hair in her usual style, Delilah shows up with her hair in a bun and glasses on, which is, you know, classic teen girl disguise, I guess. And Delilah said, I wrote it down. She said, this is all your fault. Do you think I'm in drag for the aesthetics? They're after me. And I just think it's amazing that Delilah thinks wearing glasses and putting her hair up is just being in drag. That's drag. Like <laughs> Maybe it's drag for Ohio. Maybe it's Ohio 1998 conversion <laughs> therapy, secretly infected drag realness. The drag queens are coming for us, y'all. They're coming for our kids. They're yeah. wearing glasses and putting their hair in a bun. They're wearing a white trash top knot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, speaking of hair, the wigs were Ooh. very harsh in this. Poor Piper Laurie. I mean, she went from the updo to fancy after getting infected, but um, the wig on Frodo's mom that was very, very harsh, I thought. Her little blonde wig. I don't know if you noticed that. I it was did. Very, it was very spirit of Halloween. It was not beautiful. No. And I thought that the dad was significant Frodo's dad Elijah Wood's dad Casey is actually the character but I thought the dad was significantly younger and significantly more attractive than the mom yeah I have I had clipped this an interaction between the the parents at um the principal's office and I thought we could chat about that yes clip two they're walking towards the in here Teacher's lounge. The body was in the closet. And why would Mrs. Brummel be in the closet? Because they killed her. Oh, that's right. Hey, Casey. Sorry about that mix-up earlier. Didn't mean to scare you. Apparently there's been a misunderstanding. Still, if you could just see inside the closet. (laughs) Certainly. It's a doll. Neat resuscitation, Annie. We use her to teach CPR to the students, although I guess she does resemble Mrs. Brummel slightly. You dialed 911 for a dead doll? That wasn't there. They put that there. Look, I'm not making this up. You gotta call Delilah. We called her. She isn't home. She was here with me. She saw it, too. They attacked Nurse Harper. Nurse Harper is epileptic. She's prone to ground malls. She had an attack. Luckily, she carries her medicine in her bag, so we were able to help her. We think it was brought on by this terrible cold she's had. I took her home myself. You can call her if you like. Okay. (laughs) So, this whole talk about being in the closet. Who's in the closet? Miss Brimmel would never be in the closet. Like you're really resuscitation Annie comes out of the closet and she's a dead doll. She's nothing. She's a lifeless, inanimate object. You're really pushing It is queer coded. <laughs> this whole thing. Queer theory needs to be applied to this film Toot Sweet. Oh my gosh, you're really pushing this forward, aren't you? I you know what? I feel okay. The first point you made was really good. This one's a little too far into the queer. Did you hear them though? She's not in the closet. 
<laughs> well, she's old and dying of cancer, and she's Mrs., so no, she wouldn't be. Or maybe she would be hiding in it. Maybe, no, I won't go there. Um, <laughs> the interaction with the parents later on, too, was this kind of... Uh, uh, just we're we're gonna take care of this. We don't need to talk to you. We're gonna handle this at home. Not today. The, yeah. Not today. Parents would not be like that today. They'd be like, no, I want every step of the way. I want. <laughs> I want to see the video footage. <laughs> the body in the closet. I have to see it now. I need the camera footage from inside the closet for the past three weeks. <laughs> oh mercy! And those parents were just like, yeah, that must be what happened. I be- I believe the administrator and the teacher very refreshing very refreshing (laughs) very very refreshing yes okay resuscitation annie looked nothing like that poor woman no i wish the parents could have seen what that woman looked like post shower death and say this looks nothing like resuscitation did you have to do a resuscitation annie did you have to do first aid when you were in school uh, I remember having to do mm, the CPR, pump, pump, pump on the chest. No, as an, mouth. as an administrator, I took CPR training, but even then, I believe it was voluntary. Oh, yeah, we used to. I think it was in middle school we did that. I don't even think they wiped off the mat before <laughs> just a bunch of kids slobbering over that poor doll that had probably been used as a sex object and they weren't even there. <laughs> <laughs> poor Annie. Annie, are you poor okay? Annie. <laughs> Annie, are you okay? Are you okay? <laughs> well, she ain't in the closet anymore. She's gone. She's gone. She's popped. <laughs> so, yeah, the. Okay, I really like Clay Duval. I need to find out if that's how I'm pronouncing her name, if I'm pronouncing it wrong or not. But I really like her in a lot of stuff that she's in. I think she's, she's amazing. I don't like the fact that she. Can't just be a lesbian and has to use lesbian rumors, but that was kind of interesting. Yeah, she was a she was a standout for me in this film for sure. Yeah. Um. Let's see. The the drugs. I was gonna say, can we talk about the drugs? Let's go ahead and talk about the drugs stored in a bit pen, which was kind of interesting. (laughs) I mean, okay. I mean, think about where we're hiding stuff in our vape pens now. I know. I was gonna guess where the vape pens are. A predictor of vape. Absolutely. It's it's a, it's a prequel to vape petting. As everyone started, I'm like, this whole school is on cocaine. Yeah. That is so strange. I th- that was the, the last, as I was leading, that was the rumored drug that the kids were doing was coke in the high school. That's Again, scary. That is so 80s. Well, and now, it's very 80s. And it's very expensive from what I've heard. Well, it was a very wealthy school district I worked at. Oh, well, there you go. I love well now i don't love this actually um it's what is it now what is those things fentanyl it's all fentanyl now i don't know i think there's a lot of fentanyl hysteria going on right now fine well what if you know (laughs) what principal you have your pulse and the drugs in schools you know what the real drug that we need to watch out for is caffeine He had such an elaborate setup in that little garage of his, all the beakers and boiling liquid to produce caffeine. Sweetheart, you could get this at the gas station. He was like producing it in little, little pack, little boxes and stuff. Where is he getting the money for this marketing? I guess he was from the cherry flavored condoms he's selling out of his trunk. (laughs) 
certainly doesn't have the um, academic acumen to pass his senior year. Well, what about but, the car? I mean, he had a really nice car, too. I was like, how, how are we... Well, by first? selling the drugs and videotapes. I thought that oh, was... Oh, yes. I love that we're selling VHS tapes. <laughs> <laughs> I, guess when did, I guess when did DVDs become a thing? Well, it would have... It probably would have been the 2000s. The, yeah, the 2000s. Yeah, Mercy I got, me. I got a, a DVD player in the early 2000s. <laughs> um, yes. The drugs. I, I just loved it. And they were like, okay, well, we all have to do drugs in order to make sure that we aren't infected. Like, before we... Right. Before we tr- uh, <laughs> trek... To defeat this army that's this evil queen alien, we should all get high on caffeine first to make sure we're normal. <laughs> and, oh man, I won't spoil the end because we're not there yet, but I was kind of shocked at how we found out that not everybody actually tried the drugs. Yeah. yeah. And then Delilah, Delilah Prophet. <laughs> Love it. I loved her busting out of that door. I just... It was very She-Hulk. Mercy me. Caffeine on aliens. And they were just like, no, get me away from that devil's drug. Absolutely. The demon rum. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, what about Miss Burke's new personality after she gets infected and she becomes a little sex kitten? Oh, mercy. I saw that but coming. Why? She had her glasses on. She was really mousy. And I've seen her in other things. I know that actress I, has I it. guess my question is, d- does becoming infected make you who you truly are or who you want to be? Like, why the personality change? And why the personality change that was so sporadic? Like, it times coach was like docile but then he just went back to being his asshole self again um miss burke the 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 drama teacher just she had a nice she 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 looked like she went to chico's she got infected she went to chico's and got her hair done absolutely absolutely <laughs> i don't know I, I i thought it was very telltale and but i mean she was crass my goodness yeah yeah um, Do we want to jump ahead? Um, let me, I'm, I'm looking through my notes. Let's see. Oh, when they're okay, when they're going through the house, Elijah Wood at one point says, "Let's sneak in through the back door." I thought that was queer coding again. <laughs> my God, you're really on this. <laughs> you're really on this. He oh um what, he he described also something as moist, which I didn't really care for. You know, um, something that stuck out for me is when they did when they were in Zeke's drug lab trying to fit, before they kind of realized it was the caffeine. They began accusing each other, and then Stan decided to quit the team, and Delilah finds that super suspicious, right. uh, even though she's the alien. And Stan said, I'm not an alien, I'm discontent. And I just thought that was just, <laughs> what an amazing summary of the teenage experience. Yeah, that is good. That is and good. queer coding. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, just, I'm not an alien, I'm discontent. Um, yeah, the caffeine, I thought that was interesting when they would do the caffeine, they get all high and giggly. I don't mm-hmm. think caffeine does that. I don't see kids slamming a Red Bull and then all of a sudden they're just like, <laughs> yep. right the off colors. the bat. I'm like, so weird. I mean, I've had, I've slammed, slam a jammed a few Diet Cokes in my life and all the caffeine never made me act like that. <laughs> I will say. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, the the alien difference. I noted that it just I had written down that the only same the, the the people the way people acting aliens just makes everyone kind of alpha assholes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that okay. makes sense. All right. So continuing on to the end. Here we go. <clears throat> Believing Principal Drake to be the queen, they isolate her in the gym and fatally shoot her. Stan confronts the coach and team to see if the plan worked, but becomes infected himself. Zeke and Casey retrieve more of Zeke's drugs from the car. <laughs> Casey leads infected students away from Zeke and encounters Miss Burke in the parking lot and incapacitates her. In the gym, Mary Beth reveals herself to be the alien queen. Earlier on, she faked taking the drug. Casey and Stokely flee to the swimming pool where Stokely is injured and becomes infected. Zeke and Casey hide in the locker room where Mary Beth reverts to her human disguise. She explained that she has taken over the Earth because her planet is dying. Mary Beth transforms back into her true self um, and hurls Zeke across the locker room, knocking him out. Casey seizes the drug and traps the queen behind some retracting bleachers. <laughs> those look very dangerous. Oh my god. Again, <laughs> insuring the school with those death trap bleachers. He stabs the drug into the queen's eye. Casey returns to the locker room and finds Stokely and Zeke alive. One month later, everyone is returned to normal. Stan and Stokely, who has shed her goth girl image and is are now dating, just like Breakfast Club. Zeke has taken Stan's place in the football team, while Miss Burke affectionately watches him from the practice. Problematic. Delilah, yeah. <laughs> no longer a vic- uh, vindictive, is now dating Casey, who is considered a local hero by various news media. Reveal it, the attempted alien invasion is now public knowledge, even though the FBI denies it in credits. Okay, so... I think a few things. One thing that I thought was really cool is, to your point, they referenced the body snatchers, right? Right. And I I wrote this down. Mary Beth said, what happens at the end of those stories, Stokely? How does Invasion of the Body Snatchers turn out? And then Stokely said, they get us. They win. We lose. And then Mary Beth said, maybe we really win. I mean, Stan didn't look unhappy. And Stokely said, that's because that wasn't Stan. They took away who he was. And then Mary Beth Maybe they just bettered who he was, cleared away his confusion. I know you pride yourself on being the outsider, but aren't you tired of pretending to be something you're not? I know I am. Um, I'm telling you, Justin. I know. Queer Lynn. Well, so. You pride yourself. <laughs> Good Lord. So I actually drew this as like a metaphor. This was my moment where I wrote this down listening to the movie. And I was like, oh, maybe this will be like my deep moment where Ronnie's super impressed. I don't think you will be after your <laughs> queer coding leap. But I said that this part kind of reminds me of this metaphor of conformity and fascism. That aliens are basically saying that if you conform, if you become one of them, all your problems will go away and you'll be happy. And in a later monologue, Mary Beth says, I can make you a part of something so special, so perfect, so fearless. And that they want assimilation, but it seems just a little bit more sinister than that. Yeah, and that goes back to what I was saying about the the 50s version. Yeah. And it it, it kind of relates to that. Now, as I was watching it, too, I'm like, I wonder what audiences today they would if there was a certain political group that would embrace this more and I'm like okay this seems like maybe uh, the anti-QAnon people we could be like oh if you kind of conform to this way of thinking blah 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 but I'm thinking too that the crazy QAnon people could think that it's about the Antifa people. Yeah, that's yeah. a good point. I think it could be embraced by both sides. It's universal. Oh my gosh, it brings people together, the <laughs> faculty, which is why it has a cult following and why it was released on Christmas Day. <laughs> um, did you find it kind of interesting 
that just a little bit of caffeine in this giant queen alien's eye was enough to kill her. Just that little vial of just caffeine. Just a little bit just dehydrated her so much. Instantly. Instantly. Well, how was she... Okay, the alien queen in Mary Beth's body. Yes. That's, I don't quite understand that how, how, just her, just her pussy just contain all of the tentacle? <laughs> I don't understand. Where does it go? She was swimming across that pool and it all shot right up her vagina. What I loved is as she was swimming around the pool, she got Stokely, right? And Stokely was in the pool. That's fine. Elijah Wood's character is just, did a full lap. Uh, running around the entire pool. He ran around that pool one and a half times <laughs> before he even got in the pool to save Stoke. And I'm sorry, I love you with every part of uh, me, Ronnie. Yeah. But if you were dragged in that pool, I'd be gone. Yeah. I would not do a lap and a half around the pool and then get in the water with it to save you. And I wouldn't want you to. <laughs> Done. <laughs> okay, so going back to the 1978 version of this of this film, mm -hmm. The Body Snatchers, mm -hmm. there was a character, um, these two characters that are kind of making it towards the end. They find this greenhouse where they are growing these pods that the, uh, the people grow out of. These gigantic pods that look like pea pods. Sometimes mm -hmm. they're really small, sometimes they're big. It doesn't make any sense. But she grows out. He leaves her alone for, for a few seconds, and suddenly she's an alien. And she's nude for, like, the rest of the movie. She's walking around naked, just like Mary Beth was. Mercy. Like, why is it? And I wish I could pull the scene up for you as she's, like, growing into one of these pod people, and she's nude. She's fully formed, except for her nipples. <laughs> she has nippleless tits. It was so disturbing. More disturbing than the 70s bush that we saw. It, it was just, I'm like, why are the nipples the last to that's, grow? That's, the, that's it. That's what makes you a woman. That's the, the universal symbol or symbols that make a woman a woman. So to have Mary Beth walking around nude the whole time was was weird. But I guess yeah. if you're an alien, they've all seen it all. They've seen the tentacles shoot up your vagina. Yep. They know what you are. Why not? Why would you have to decide, okay, I got to go put on some clothes? I, I thought it was just a strange, a stra and all oh, the CGI work. Well, Jesus Christ. We were post um, Jurassic Park and probably Jurassic Park 2 probably at that point. The internet and had just really good. been going around and <laughs> oh mercy. I did like that they were saved by drugs. That <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like let, that, let that be a lesson to all. And not just any drug, the miracle drug that is caffeine. Yes, that Josh Hartnett decided to make in his garage. I thought, I mean, I, for a minute, I thought he said cooking meth. Is that what this is? I thought it was like Breaking Bad universe. <laughs> it was kind of like But that. no, it was just caffeine. You could get that at any drugstore or gas station, but no. Okay. I've clipped one more thing I want us to talk about. It okay. has to do with Miss Burke and her final confrontation before her head pops off. Yes. Clip number three. Hello, Miss Burke. Hello, sweetie pie. What are you looking for? Uh, nothing important. So I think you changed your mind about the chocolate laxatives. Actually, I had my heart set on something cherry-flavored. You know what I mean. <laughs> Sorry, I'm all out of those. I have something else for you, though. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Something tasty. Let me hook you up. 
get an hour into this without mentioning the chocolate laxative. <laughs> <laughs> Why are we pushing those? I guess people are very stopped up here. They've eaten uh, a lot of cheese. I guess so. I mean, if if the inside of the building is any indicator to what the cafeteria budget is, it's probably a lot of government cheese. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Oh, mercy. Oh, I just like uh, the whole Miss Burke thing, her her total flirtation with him. She just becomes this little sex kitten. And then she kind of stays that in the end. She's I like know. waving at him from the, the bleachers. Like, I mean, he and I is think, over 18 by then, but, but she's, she's a student. He hasn't student. graduated yet. I think, the in- I think the intent was supposed to see that she's like proud of him. But for me, it read... Ugh. No, no, no. She was being flirtatious from those bleachers. Ugh, that's problematic. That's <laughs> problematic. Teachers can't look at students that way. Ugh, gross. Yep. So, overall, I loved it. Um, <laughs> I especially loved the queer coding. Uh, I've converted you. I, you actually have. As <laughs> like like an like a alien in the faculty, you've converted me. <laughs> So, well, um, any parting thoughts for the faculty from you? Um, I, like I said, I don't think I ever want to watch it again. I think that was it. Um, I don't even know that Midnight would keep me going to go to go watch this with a group of people because I'm in bed by nine. Unless we did caffeine. <laughs> Snorted it right out of a big pen. Absolutely. I think we would all have to do it before we walk in to make sure. Sniff this. Well, we're back. One more time, one last time before we say sayonara with our exit ticket. Yes, so I know you're going to do exit tickets a little differently than I did. Totally fine. Tell me a little bit about your format. Um, I'm always going to have Tales from 30 plus years of teaching will be my exit ticket. So let's uh, start it off with a a little bit of a question as I would ask students to maybe write their responses down and collect them by the door. Um, Justin, do you have a favorite or worst memory of a high school coach? No. Uh, you know I do. Uh, <laughs> could you imagine getting it as a ticket back? I just said no. <laughs> um, no, you know, I was not very athletic in high school. The, no. o- the only time, I know, I'm super rugged. Uh, the only time I was in a gym is because I needed to get the high school credit to get out of high school. Um, so I thought signing up for recreational games, which was on the list of um, possible gym classes, it was like you could do team sports. Sports or weightlifting, and then there's recreational games where it's like Amen. ping pong, racquetball, Dude, whatever. That's what I took as my PE credit in college. So was I recreational was games. so excited. It's like, oh, good, all the other nerds will be there with me. I'm sad to report recreational games was just code for basketball and football <gasps> because uh, I guess the I guess the PE coach at the time was on his last year teaching. Um, and he's like, no, I don't want to offer any kind of differentiated. We're not playing Clue. I, I, we're, we're not going to darts and pickleball. Nothing differentiated or honest with what the course offering was. We're just going to play knockout at basketball, which was great for me. So for me, I had a really bad interaction with this guy. <clears throat> um, 
this is my freshman year of high school, and it was to the point where I was terrified to go into the locker room. You can imagine mm. as a gay, yeah. a gay freshman with all Been the there. yeah, with all the other um, high school students, and it wasn't just freshmen; it was sophomores through seniors. And um, I was scared, and there were thirty three other guys in there, and everyone kind of had found out I was gay at that point because I was stupid and came out in a note to a friend, and by the time the day was over, that note had went all around the school. So it was, well, that's why Dorinda Medley from Real Housewives in New York said it best, say it, forget it, write it, regret it, and I will never forget that fatal mistake that I made in my freshman year of high school. So anyway, we're in the gym, and I'm changing in the locker room, and people were bothering me, and the PE coach said, pardon the language, hey guys, don't pick on the faggot. And if you're going to, don't do it where the cameras can see it. Oh, my God. And it was, yeah. And that was terrifying for me because I, in that moment, knew he had no intention of keeping me safe. And at that point, I was terrified. And I went home and told my mom, who I had not even told anything yet, by the way. So um, at that point, she went up to the school and she... I don't know what she said, but he did not come back to school that next year. Wow. <clears throat> so I'm so sorry that happened to you. Yeah. That and really, but that's going to kind of lead into some of the stories that I have that are just, I mean, I, I, it's sad that that's a thing that, that happens particularly with coaches, but yeah. it, it's, it's, it's very problematic for a lot of people. Their fondest memories of school are not sitting in the classroom. They are in sports um, playing for their cheering peers and coaches have a lot to do with that. They, they help them develop their technical skills, the physical conditioning that goes into it. They help them develop strategies that connect their star players with, with um, college recruiters. They perform first aid. A lot of times these are the people that go in really early in the morning. They work late at night. They come on weekends too. Um, and then their second job is, is teaching mm-hmm. for, for, for a lot of them. Um, um, that, that are coaches. So, um, from, from my past, I've, I've, I've had some coaches where I've, as a teacher, felt the pressure to change students' grades. That would happen every now and then. But I found the best way to handle those type of coaches is to let them know as much as possible about what's going on in a student's life or a student's grade. Um, a lot of times those coaches would be like, let me know um, what they're doing and I'll make sure that they, that they change it and they'll get punishments on the uh, on the field and grades right. or whatever. Um, there were a few coaches that were, that were like that. They were... They were I had some really good allies that were coaches, but my story of what stands out more is that language that they use, mm-hmm. as you as you stated in, in your story as well, particularly the use of fag faggot, gay as a pejorative, um, and then coaches using uh, a female derogatory words that they sissy, sissy, girly woman, boy, yeah. lady, pussy, all those things. Um, so this happened in the early 2000s. The worst offender that I had. Um, was, uh, he, he, this, this coach, he had a student that had a gay parent. Mm. And so this student was confronting the coach about the coach's use of gay 
and fag in, in, in the, on the field saying that, you know what, I, I really, really don't like that. Instead of accepting this, the coach said, well, that's too bad. This coach rallied the students to kind of ostracize this, the student and the student ended up dropping out of, out of the sport altogether. Um, the coach was, of course, also a teacher as a secondary job. Um, and a few years later, the, the, the coach did have a queer student that was, was in the class. And the student said that the coach was continuing to use these words in the classroom. Um, and because the principal at the time was this person that didn't really care about that sort of thing, wasn't really an ally in any way, shape or form. In fact, that principal, when the student later had complained about having his clothing thrown into a toilet in the locker room had asked the student, well, did you, did you try to come on to one of the guys? And that was maybe why they did what they did. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, so, but the coach, I mean, nothing, nothing happened to him, um, until finally we had some, some administration that's central office had heard about it and they finally shut it down, but it took somebody else going above, um, principles that were just kind of turning a blind eye to this and not wanting to, um, dialogue with this, with this individual. Well, and here, and, and it's just because that principal probably felt as uncomfortable with himself. Exactly. He was very uncomfortable with himself and that was very, very, very much evident. So, um, yeah, sorry to bring everybody down with my exit <laughs> ticket, but that was a, a true story that is just equally as disturbing as the one that you, the personal one that you shared, which guts me. Well, let's bring it up though, just a little bit. There are great coaches out oh, there. Oh my God. And, so and, many. And I can tell you so many that have such a positive impact. And with great power comes great responsibility. Watch your fucking mouth. Uh, yeah. And just know that there are so many kids who have so many struggles with that you can't see. Or if you can see them, be mindful of them with the language that you choose. Exactly. So I think that's how we could just wrap up this exit ticket. Right. If, if you're going to be a great coach, know that all kinds of students are on your team. Yep, exactly. So our fourth episode, we're going to be a little bit different. The movie that we're going to watch is a little more teacher-centric rather than the other ones. Nice. We're going to watch 2021's Academy Award winning film, Another Round, a movie that stars Mad Mickelson, which you might recognize. A lot of you, if you if you liked the movie, the TV show Hannibal, you'll recognize him, him from it. It is a Danish film, okay. and we're going to get into Danish school system stuff yes. a little bit, which there's a lot of lap over to American stuff, but there are some things that are strikingly like, oh my gosh, these kids are have a little party bus at graduation, and they're all getting drunk. It's very different. I can't wait. So we're doing, oh my gosh. Think Bear Swear is getting classy. We're doing a foreign film. An Academy Award winning film. And I can't wait to hear what you think about it. Well, I guess we have to wrap up. So I'm Justin Orsland. And I'm Ronnie Lathrop. Class, Class dismissed. dismissed.